Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. This is Dr. Tim Hayes, and I'm here today um, substituting for Dr. Michael Rice, who, as I understand it, is making some uh, airport runs. And um, for the time being, I'll also be uh, running the chat board, it seems, or switchboard. Um, We're here to teach and support people in the use of and eventually the mastery of one of the most powerful tools I've learned in 41 years of living life and doing therapy. And the tool is called the Ancient Aramaic Tool of Forgiveness. And the word forgiveness has come in through my culture, has come down to mean something like pardoning, agreeing that somebody or something outside of me has done something to offend me or done something horribly wrong and they should be punished. And everybody has to agree to that first. And then we say, okay, I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to be more generous. I'm going to be more mature and more spiritually aware. And I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to let you off the hook because you did this horrible thing and you caused all this pain and turmoil in my life. And while that's a very nice thing to do, to pardon somebody, to give up the energy that I might normally put into planning a retribution or a vengeance, it's a very good thing for me to save my energy for more loving pursuits. And yet, if I pardon somebody else, that means... I have first had to agree that they did something horribly wrong and that they're the one who's causing my upset and because of that they should be punished. And then I'm going to let them off the hook. And the problem with that process is it has me focused on someone or something outside of me as though they actually did cause my upset. And when I focus outside of me, looking for the cause of my upset, it prevents me from having any possibility of seeing the actual cause of my upset and removing it. So we're here to talk about 
how the system actually works, and we're here to support people in learning a skill for identifying where the actual upset is and the tool for removing that upset. And I should back up and say today is Tuesday, February 9th, 2016. Some people call it Fat Tuesday. And um, all of the stuff we're talking about and the primary tools that are available are available on a website, www.whyagain.org. And if you go to that website and you click on the red and white bullseye or you click on the link that says Start Here, it'll take you to a page where you can download Chapter 24 of Dr. Rice's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And it will also let you download the most recent version of the seven-step reality management wake-up sheet process. This is a, a seven-step process that if I can read and follow the instructions, it will guide me through a process to dismantle any energy of anger, fear, sadness, hurt, confusion, shame, guilt, condemnation, blame, pain, grief, any I know, I said, any, we're not supposed to talk in absolutes. However, when you understand the way a system works, it works that way all the way through the system. And so this tool is available to help me dismantle any negative emotion, any traumatic energy. And if I apply the tool and I work through the steps in the process, it may not work the first time, it may not work the 17th time, and yet behind the scenes, each time I do the process, I am relieving, I am dismantling, I am canceling, I am dropping, putting down, and undoing the energies that I have been holding that create my anger, my fear, my sadness, my pain. So if you have any discomforts in your life, if you have had any dis difficulty in relationships or you currently have the slightest dissatisfaction with any part of your life, then this is a good place for you to be because we will talk about, teach, and support people in using a tool or a whole set of tools that can help you, if you would apply them to your life, create a better, more loving more joyful life. And we have a call-in number. It's 646-200-4169. And if you call that number, uh, you can listen to the show or you can press 1 on the keypad and it'll raise your hand and I'll see that you're in the uh, control panel with a question. And um, we would love to take your comments and your questions because that really makes a difference in the energy and vitality of the show. This show is about, it was, was initiated just a little over five years ago, and it grew out of the fact that Michael and Jeannie would travel eight to ten months of the year and offer these free workshops all around the country and sometimes out of this country and other countries. And they would take these tools and offer these free workshops and people would just get so excited. As you might imagine, if you've you know, been hungry for 
years and all of a sudden somebody brings you wholesome, nutritious food, it's exciting. And and then they would teach these skills and people would see some results and they'd see these new ideas and their minds would get all excited. And then Michael and Jeannie would move on to the next town or the next state or the next country. And the energy in that little community would start to dissolve unless there was somebody who could really grab the concepts and really make the commitment to starting a support group or um, a series of talks about this. or And then all of a sudden, uh, about five years ago, a little over five years ago, Michael and Jeannie got the opportunity to start this blog talk radio show. And then, all of a sudden, out of the blue, five days a week, they could spend an hour talking about what they had just talked about the night before, helping people who had questions, who had just gotten introduced to the worksheet process or the mind shifter targeted journaling process or the still point breath work or the three earliest memories of conflict or the codependence to interdependence worksheet or the mind goal management sheet and support people in building even more understanding. Michael calls it brain cells, building more content of experience and deeper levels of understanding about these tools on an ongoing basis. And originally, when the radio show was um, began, Michael talked about it as a place to support people who were starting up MindShifter support groups. Now, a MindShifter support group is simply a group of you know, two or more people who get together in a place and sit down and either talk about the worksheet process and then do worksheets or just start doing worksheets. Or alternatively, they buy one or more of Michael's videos and show an hour of a video and then do some worksheets. Or alternatively to that, they purchase Michael's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? Or they get it online and read it and they read some sections of the book and then discuss it and then do the reality management worksheets or the reality management wake-up sheets, as they're calling them these days. That's all we mean by a mind shifter support group. It's a community of people who want to improve their lives, who are willing to do something different than what they've been doing all along, who are willing to come back to brand-new material again and again and again, and each time they come at it, hold in their mind the observation that since they're not perfect, since all their relationships aren't perfect, since their health isn't perfect, since they occasionally have a negative emotion, what they know in that moment must be either only partially true or completely false. And if they come into a gathering, a talk, the reading of a book, the listening to a lecture, with that mindset, with that set of observations, then they have the potential to learn something new. As I say in one of my talks, or actually in in quite a few of the talks now, I weave this in. If I go into a situation knowing that I know what I know and how I know it and when I learned it and how good it is, I'm going to leave that situation knowing what I knew. If I want any chance to learn, to grow, to expand my mind, I have to approach a situation 
willing to make myself subordinate to the situation or to the people in the situation or to the knowledge base that's in that situation. And I must have the observation that since my life isn't perfect, since my physical health isn't perfect, my emotional health isn't perfect, my thought process isn't always loving, since every relationship in my life isn't quite where I want it to be yet, I must not know it all. What I think I know, what I have known up till now, what I have believed, must be either only partially true or completely false. And if I hold that observation and enter into a situation, I create the possibility of learning something new. One of my favorite teachers is Guy Findlay, and he says it that way. He says, I must make myself subordinate to someone or something else in order to learn anything from them. And that's all a mind shifter group is, people who want to learn something new. And the primary thing I want to learn about is myself. The primary thing that I want to learn more about and in depth is what I'm hiding from myself in my own mind energy. What I hide from myself with my own mind energy is what some would call the unconscious. It's what the ancient Aramaic referred to as the heart. And I did a blog post about this a number of years ago because it dawned on me after listening to Guy Finley and Krishnamurti and Michael Rice and Dale Allen Hoffman and uh, a variety of other spiritual teachers, Abraham, etc., it dawned on me to talk about the unconscious as a, a, a part of my own mind that is created by my mind being split apart from itself, and I go into an experience, and as I'm experiencing it, some part of my mind that thinks it's going to be protective labels what I'm experiencing, the sights, the sounds, the physical sensations, the smells, the thoughts, the emotional reactions, labels them as too much for me, too overwhelming, too sad, too scary, too painful, too confusing, too anger-filled. And it grabs all of those things, sight, sound, smells, thoughts, emotions, and says, don't worry about this, Tim. I will hide this from you. This is too much from you for you to deal with, I will hide it from you. So my own mind energy grabs all of my experiences and all the nerves and fires, uh, brain cells firing in my mind, and says, I'll hide this from your conscious awareness so you can go on, Tim, and do the radio show today. So you can go on and see patients today. So you can go and go shopping. So you can go and deal with that problem that your son is having. And it happens faster than a heartbeat And most of the time it happens without my conscious awareness. And I move on in my conscious awareness, having seen none of that process, but now carrying a load. Carrying a load of emotional energy, mind energy, physical energy. Carrying a load of thoughts that I'm hiding from myself. And some people say, well, how can I hide thoughts from myself? Well, Neuroscientists today tell us that if I'm really, really focused and paying attention, I'll be able to be aware of five out of every 100 thoughts that go through my mind. So my my cognitive processing 
is far more powerful than my ability to focus within the moment. And my unconscious processing is, some would say, a million times more powerful than my conscious processing. And those estimates are going up rather than down. The more they study the neuroscience, the more they study perception, the more they, that they study how much data is hitting my senses from my ears, from my eyes, from my skin, from my sense of smell and taste and touch. And then they recognize how much can actually be focused in the moment of cognitive conscious awareness and they realize, oh my gosh, our carbon-based memory, the physical brain that works just like a hard drive in a computer is far more rapid in its function and processing than our conscious cognitive part of the mind can even recognize. And so the processing spins and I see the tiniest bit of it. And I grab that tiny little bit and I think I know what's going on and I form a picture in my mind that tells me, ah, here's what's happening. I'm here, you're over there, you did this horrible thing and that's what's causing me to feel pain. So now what I need to do is either attack you or bribe you to change what you're doing or run away from you because if I can't get you to change or get far enough away from you, my pain won't go away. And imagine the insanity of doing that if I'm only seeing nine single bits of data when there are 20 trillion bits of data hitting my senses and my brain is processing 10,000 of them. Just imagine the insanity of looking through a pinhole at the Grand Canyon and seeing a four or five square centimeter piece of the Grand Canyon and then walking away and trying to tell somebody that you know what the Grand Canyon is like. Well, actually, in, in, in bold living color, literally, that's what I'm doing every time I say something like, you made me angry or you hurt my feelings or that's overwhelming. I'm doing something as bizarre as looking through a tiny little telescope that zeroes in on a five square centimeter piece of a picture of the Grand Canyon and walking away deciding I know what the Grand Canyon's like. It's really as idiotic as going over to a, a, a body of water like the Pacific Ocean and grabbing a cup of that water and analyzing it and saying, oh, so this is what the ocean is. It's this this level of saline. It's this level of mildew and mold. It's this level of algae. It's got these little particles in it. So that's what the ocean is. So we encourage people to question everything that we're sharing. We encourage people to live more through direct observation than what most of the culture and every religion I've ever been exposed to will encourage people to do, which is function out of belief, function out of a pattern of old thought, function out of a set of rules. 
And what we're encouraging with this work is direct observation. What we're encouraging with this work is people keep their breath open and moving in each moment as they're living life to slow down and create an increased awareness of their internal processing and to understand at deeper and deeper levels as they apply tools that my experience of life in each moment is far more powerfully impacted and and influenced in a creative way by what I choose to focus on with my mind energy far more powerfully than the outside events. And this includes everything from a hurricane and an earthquake and a flash flood and a fire and somebody cutting me off in traffic and my son having problems with the law and my father dying and the bank saying, you know, you're overdrawn. Everything in the outside environment has just the tiniest influence on my internal experience despite the fact that we've been trained in this culture to believe the opposite. So I summarize it this way in in, in one of the observations I hand people, new patients in my office. What happens to me and around me in my life is nowhere near as important as how I choose to interpret and respond to those events. And the more I train myself to understand that, the more I practice undoing the conditioning of the culture, which has been to tell me, other people hurt my feelings, other people offend me, other people insult me, other people create situations, and then the situations are overwhelming to me. I'm a victim of this or I'm a victim of that. The more I undo that conditioning, the more clearly I open myself to direct observation. And in that state of direct observation, I have the capacity to learn something new. And what might I learn? I might learn how I'm creating my own level of upset in response to this outside event. I had a, a a mature adult woman, bright, you know, previously was a, a college professor, literally push herself from a comfortable sitting on, you know, relaxing into the back of the couch, push herself forward to the edge of her couch and yell at me when I suggested that it's an inside job and that No one can cause me to feel anger, fear, sadness, and hurt. And as she rocketed herself to the front of the couch, she said, do you mean to tell me that if I go over there and punch you in the face, it's not going to hurt? And I breathed, and I said, well, I I don't recall saying those words. What I recall talking about is how if something like that were to happen to me, the physical impact of a fist on my body would produce some results, And I have the absolute ability to choose the focus of my mind energy in that moment. And the focus of my mind energy in that moment literally creates my experience of that event. And 
A week or two later, I was in another session, and somebody brought this up again. And this time when it came up and I began to talk about it, I smiled, and they said, what are you smiling about? And I said, well, a real-life example of this just came to my mind. And I haven't thought about this in a lot of years. But the fact of the matter is, this happened back when I was a sophomore in college, long before I had learned at any level how I'm creating all of my own emotions. And the example was this. I was volunteering to be a help to people who are on probation. And so there was a 17-year-old, or he just turned 18, and he was uh, about 190 pounds and maybe, you know, 5'11". So he wasn't a tiny little person. And somebody else was with him for a couple of hours in the evening while I was doing something else. And when I went to meet up with them again, he was intoxicated and angry. So we disarmed him. He had a knife. And we held him there waiting for his foster father to come pick him up. Now, I'm a young, idealistic, 19-year-old. I am um, hoping to help this person because he's on probation and he's trying to stay out of jail and he's living with the foster father. So I'm, I'm idealistic and my focus is on helping. And what happens is he goes to run away from me late at night, out in the dark, and I grab him and as he as he comes back with my pulling on him, he swings around with his right hand and lands on my left side of my face and literally breaks my jaw in half. I didn't know it at the time. And I reached around with my left arm behind him, picked him up, and carried him back to where he needed to be and held him there until his foster father could arrive to take him home safely. In that moment, and in all subsequent moments, as I look back on that, and as people say, I have no memory of being angry at him. And this goes back long before I ever learned any of these skills, long before I'd finished my bachelor's in psychology or my doctorate. My focus in the moment was trying to do the right thing, feeling responsible because I hadn't supervised him well enough throughout the evening because I had to do some other activities and I had been a, a partner with supervising him with somebody else. So I felt responsible, focused on trying to help him and keep him out of jail. And so the fact that he punched me and that later we found out my jaw was broken in half had nothing to do with the production of anger had nothing to do with the thought of revenge, simply because my mind didn't go there. Now, I don't want you to believe any of this. I offer these things as a stimulus for you to do your own observation, for you to try time after time, moment after moment, to keep the focus of your conscious awareness inside yourself.
and use any negative thought, any negative physical sensation, any negative emotion as an alarm system that you wire within your thought process. You you set aside the conditioning of the culture, which has programmed you to think, look outside and go chase someone or something down and get them to change so you don't have to hear or feel the pain or the alarm going off in your own system. Rewire that alarm system so that when the alarm goes off, it triggers you to think, ah, wait a minute, let me take a breath, let me stop in a moment, and let me look inside myself. So I'm going to take a breath because a hand just went up, and I'm going to uh, invite area code 616. Hello. This is Pat from Grand Rapids. Hi, Tim. Hi, Pat from Grand Rapids. I'm glad to hear that somebody is on the phone because all of this time I was thinking, I wonder if anybody's even hearing this. So, Pat, how can we support you? <laughs> well, I just um, I just arrived at the airport um, in Orlando, and I just got done with the intensive that um, your student Mary was at. Um, and I wanted to share something that I discovered for myself this morning doing a worksheet, and they had not heard of it before. So I thought, um, Jeannie asked me to call and share it, so I thought I would do that. All right, and this is Pat? Uh, Yes. Uh Pat, share away. We'd be happy to hear it. What what do you have? Well, this is my thing. One of my my issues was um, getting attention and approval from my father and uh and I had an abandonment issue because my mother had my mother had um abandoned our family uh oldest of four. I was nine when my mother left and then uh two years later my dad got married and um abandoned me when he married um his my stepmother, because, I mean, to me it was, and I understand intellectually now, he didn't want her to desert him, too. So, so can you hear me, me okay? Just, I'm at the me, airport. Let, yeah, I can hear you okay, and okay. let me just interrupt and, and correct sure. one thing that you just said. You said you had oh. abandonment issues because of this, this, and this. And yeah, yeah. just to remind people that what we understand in this work and what you're probably going to share with us is, that's the cultural conditioning that said, I have these abandonment issues because of this, this, oh. or this. What we know is right. you have abandonment issues because you have these energies and thoughts about abandonment that you keep holding on to and replaying in your mind. Oh, so okay, these, yeah. So these, I have, so you, yes, you okay. Experienced, you experienced these events where people left, right? and you downloaded have thoughts the that, that told you, oh, that means abandonment, and therefore I have to carry pain and be defensive and afraid of this. So go ahead. What did you oh, discover got, in your I worksheet? Got, I got it. <laughs> I got it. Okay, well, so this morning I decided to do a worksheet as my dad with me as the trigger as a nine-year-old girl looking for attention and always begging for things and wanting things from him. And um, it was a really powerful experience because I did a one side of the worksheet with him as, like like me as him, and then with uh, nine-year-old Patty as the um, trigger who wanted all this attention and was bugging him all the time. And then um, when I, the goal that um, 
that my dad had for me was to be a good girl and be quiet and help with my younger brothers and sisters. And because um, they were younger and needed more more attention than than I did. And then I got to the end, and um, he offered me another goal that was, um, you're my daughter, and I will give you as much attention as you need. So then I turned the worksheet over, and I did it as myself, with my dad as the trigger needing, and I'm needing attention. And my goal for him was that I'm his daughter, and I'm, I want as much attention as I need. And then I canceled that goal. <sighs> the end of that worksheet and um, offered him um, understanding and love at the end of the worksheet. <laughs> I mean, I, I could see he, he, and I knew this too, but I mean, just feeling it emotionally, he he was devastated anyway. And then he had four children that he had to figure out what to do with and take care of. And, and um, so... That was, uh, and Jeannie wanted me to share that idea of doing the back-to-back worksheet. I'm glad you did that too, Pat. (laughs) Thank you, Jeannie. So that's uh, that's my sharing, Tim. Do you have anything, any other thing? Well, uh, just congratulations, and and that's powerful. We often recommend that people do a worksheet from the perspective of another person and do a mind Mm -hmm. shifter. Uh, I had somebody in my office yesterday, and we were recommending uh, that he write a letter to his uh, grandfather and then let his grandfather write a letter to him. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the idea... Yeah, the, the idea of giving myself permission to play with the energies and the thoughts by either putting the pen or the pencil in my non-dominant hand and writing or letting letting myself pretend that I am a great master and I I have these serious questions and problems in my life. Let myself just pretend I'm a great master. What would the the greatest of masters say to this? And let myself write as though I were that master. Uh. Or... Oh, let myself let let myself be my father who's doing a worksheet on me as the nine year old girl who's too needy. It's a powerful process. I'm glad you yes. got good results. And it's oh, yeah. a great reminder for our group of that. The other thing that option. the other thing oh, the other thing for me was um it took me nine days to get to that, um, through the intensive and um the things that I realize were really my issues. I've been doing worksheets since October, so I'm still a newbie. Uh, but I had co- I thought I had covered um, that issue, but obviously I, I, I reached a deeper level with that. And um, so, uh, yeah, the um, the intensive was was great. It was it was a wonderful experience. Thank you, Jeannie. Again. Thank so you. I think. I, I have a quiet spot at the airport where I am, but I'm going to have to go um, find where I have to check in and stuff. But um, uh, All right, I just well, wanted Pat, to share let, that quick. Well, thank yeah. you, Pat. And let me just offer that uh, one of the things that really helped my process move to a whole new level was when I caught myself saying, I think I'm done with that, or I thought I was done with that. <laughs> and 
and I, I and I use that as an alarm to tell myself, oh, I must be avoiding something because since Absolutely. I'm an infinite being, I yeah. I will never be done learning and growing and well, learning one, about myself. One, one reason I went to the intensive was because I knew there's more stuff down there. I just didn't know how to find it or how to get to it where, you know, I mean, it just, the, the things that you work through with the intensive, what you learn and process, um, for me, um, was just really valuable to, to, to get, I mean, I had to rethink some goals that I was canceling because I do worksheets over and over with the same goal, cancel, cancel, and it wasn't getting anywhere. And I, finally I thought, well, I think I need to re think what goal I'm canceling. As you know, we spend a lot of time about canceling goals and because um, they talked about it the other day on the show. And so, um, yeah, uh, I, I agree. Yeah, I If I say, if I catch myself saying, oh, I'm done with that, then, yeah, I, I'm sure something else is going to show up for well, sure. And, 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 and beyond so. that, in the moment when I say, "Oh, I've you know, I, I have the thought," I pretty much handled those issues. Then mm-hmm. that's a really that that's for me now become. Oh, I want to start doing some worksheets on that. I will do worksheets oh. about thinking I'm done or wanting to be done. Oh. Well, why would oh, I want to be done good. with something unless there was still more work to do? Yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm not if, uh-huh. if I if I successfully finished washing my car this morning. Top to bottom, I mm-hmm. vacuumed it and I polished it and everything else. I'm not sitting here wishing or thinking that I'm I'm done with it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh. if I keep thinking about the car and how it needs to be cleaned, oh. that means there's more work to do. So oh, the minute I have yeah. a thought, oh, I've handled that, that's my unconscious yes. trying to tell me, hey, Tim, there's something you're trying to push away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can, yeah, in that can, moment... Yeah, I, uh, in that moment, I can start doing worksheets on it rather than waiting for myself to get triggered again. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah, preemptive worksheets. I like that. Okay. Well, I'm a big fan of yours, Dr. I listen to the show a lot, and I uh, always always love to uh, hear what you're offering and uh, find it always very helpful to me. Well, so, thanks, thanks for um, the kind words, and, and please remember, uh, all I'm doing is what we can all do which is uh, asking for guidance in each moment and and staying open to being taught by love in each moment. It's it's not Dr. Tim. It's the one mind that we all have access to that's yeah. available if right. we can So thanks for the mm-hmm. call. I appreciate it. And thank you so much. Thanks again, Jeannie. Blessings to you both. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. Have a safe journey. Yep. Bye, sweet. Hi, Dr. Jeannie. Tim. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we were doing the closing meditation, and then it was like this big rush to get everybody out the door and to the airport, and we're only allowed to have two cars parked in the driveway, so we were even shuffling people to go get their cars to bring them back to get them loaded. And I mean, it was all this going on, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to grab a bite to eat before I start stripping beds. And I'm sitting there eating lunch, and Julie goes, are you not doing the show today? And I'm like, oh, shoot. Well, I really didn't say shoot, but anyway. (laughs) And I ran up the stairs and turned on my computer, and it was like the show was the furthest thing from my mind. (laughs) 
<laughs> and Michael well, I, from the I've, car take is rushing to the airport, so I'm sure it was farther from his mind too. <laughs> yeah, well, I, as I've as I've said before, and, and even at the beginning of this intensive, I've been there, experienced that, so I understand it. And uh, <laughs> Michael, I don't know whether it was late last night or early this morning that Michael asked me if I would host the show. So, oh, so okay. here we are. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank all you just, so much, and and I apologize for being late team. getting on, but it has been an awesome intensive. I mean, it was like so much processing and so much going on from like the second day. I mean, th- this group of people hit a level faster than any group that I think I've ever seen, and everybody was there was so much processing going on that we got down to two days left, and we hadn't even talked about codependence or communication and that was what this intensive was <laughs> so it was well um, you mean and so, you mean you mean to say that's what the label was it's correct the, yes but the but the intensives <laughs> are always about whatever they need to be about yes they are definitely live and uh so it was really phenomenal and seeing the changes in some people and uh, some of the issues that came forward and people were able to work through them and, and just the lightness of people's faces. I mean, we, you know, always take a picture when people get ready to leave and it's like different people leaving than the ones that came. And, and so it was just really awesome. We've got, uh, I think four people that are staying on over and then we have, uh, seven more coming in anyway. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. We'll have a, a few days in between um, where there's probably only going to be about four of us. And uh, then it'll pick up momentum again. So. So. so no one has their hand up, but there's a lot of people on the switchboard and a few people in the chat room, but it looks like other than you and me, they're guests, so they can't write. Um, all you have to do is register, and then you can write in the chat room. Press 1, and you're first in line to ask a question. So now that I know that I've actually been on the air or in the air with all these comments, (laughs) you have. Let's let's hear somebody's uh, feedback, questions, input, other topics you'd like to hear us talk about. Just press 1, since Jeannie says there's a host of people out there listening and um, help us out here give us uh, a direction you'd like to hear us go in and remember you can do that without having to do any guts and glory personal sharing just ask a question and as we talked about almost every time we bring up the idea of questions this is the kind of process where the most basic question is every bit as powerful as the most advanced. You know, Gail was talking about canceling goals. We didn't quite get into that yet today. But we have talked about that on other radio shows. Another thing that I was going to say in the introduction I didn't get to was that we have the blessing, in my mind, of having most of the last five years of radio shows, five days a week, in the archives. So people can go back and listen to shows 
that where we really get in depth with one issue or another, whether it's the canceling of goals or the communication, did you hear what I think I said, responsibility communication versus projection communication, or the codependence to interdependence worksheet and that process. Um, you know, working with Michael's work and the codependence to interdependence worksheet and how it, it wove in so beautifully with what I'd been doing for um, the better part of 30 years in therapy before being introduced to Michael's work. Um, not too long after that, I, I distilled a core piece of the codependence to interdependence worksheet with what I had been talking to people about before that. And now I talk about it this way. I say, here's a primary observation that I keep bringing up to my awareness. Whenever I have an upset, and the way I talk about it is this, I have observed that I will never be upset about anything that anybody else ever says or does or doesn't do that I think they should unless I'm still judging myself negatively for having done the same or similar thing. And for me, the way that fits in or dovetails with the codependence to interdependence worksheet is whenever I'm upset with somebody because they lied, that means I'm still judging myself negatively for having lied, either recent past or distant past, or or maybe currently living in some obfuscation or covering up or telling only partial truth. And so in that moment when I think I'm upset about someone else lying, whatever I would think of as advice for them is the absolute dead center bullseye perfect advice for me in that moment and yes if someone is in the middle of hiding something or out and out telling a, a bold-faced lie the advice that i'm giving them might be good for them but it's absolutely perfect for me and i know that because my alarm has gone off and alerted me to the fact that my thinking is off the mark. And the alarm I'm talking about is any negative emotion. So I'll just say it one more time. Usually when I say this, people say, oh, I didn't get it. Could you repeat it? And so I'll say it again. I have come to think about and program my thought to observe that any time I get upset, one of the thoughts I want to get to quickly so I can observe to see if it's happening in the moment is that I will never be upset about anything anybody else ever says or does or doesn't do that I think they should unless I'm still judging myself negatively for having done the same or similar things. And when I realize I'm upset and that observation comes to mind, then I can go to work looking for, asking myself, 
doing worksheets, tapping or breathing, doing journaling on that, and uncover the negative judgments against myself, use the goal-canceling and forgiveness process to dismantle that energy, and I, every time I have done this, I have experienced that when I then take a deep breath and now I'm restored to a calm, loving position regarding myself, then when I look out at somebody else, compassion has opened. And I am taught by the moment and the love in the moment and the compassion to view them as somebody who's just like me. Because I will have dismantled my negative judgment against myself for doing whatever it was, whether it was lying or not being good on my word or not making up, not living up to a commitment I made or blaming somebody else for something that I did or jumping to a conclusion without having all the facts or judging somebody as being unethical when I don't really know all the facts. As soon as I realize I have done that and it's my negative judgment against myself that's fueling my upset in the moment, when I dismantle that upset, when I dismantle that negative energy and I view myself lovingly, I've restored my awareness to my true nature as love, then when I look out through those eyes, I see a fellow traveler. I see another being of brilliance and light who has either only temporarily forgotten their brilliance or who has yet to discover it. And in that energy of the moment, when I allow myself to be taught by the energy of love and creation in that moment and taught by the compassion, I view them lovingly. I extend an offer of support in healing their upset or their fear or their confusion or their pain. And that's how I've come to weave in the tool of Michael's tool of codependence to interdependence worksheet with the work I've done for years. And to learn to be more of a student in the moment of the energy of love, of life, of creation, of God, of the Christ mind. And it accelerated my dropping the negative judgments against myself. And as I do that, I find I have less and less negative judgments of others. I find, oh my gosh, I wake up and realize it was all an inside job anyway. And I don't know why, but the brain cells just fired for me. When I was in grad school, they had the this little magazine called Reader's Digest, and money was so tight, they used to offer, I think it was, 25 or $50 if you um, submitted a quote and it got printed. So one time, probably when I was busy trying to avoid um, working on a paper or studying or something, I sat down to write to try to come up with a quote that might be quotable. And one of the ones I remember was, The fewer opinions I hold of others, the higher the opinion they will hold of me. And oddly enough, that goes right in line with the codependence to interdependence worksheet. So I'll take a breath. I know we've got at least nine minutes left. Jeannie, anybody with a hand up or 
Did anybody ever enter the chat room? Uh, no, nobody in the chat room and nobody has a hand up. But, you know, when listening to you talk, it was when we did the codependence worksheet night before last. And, you know, one of the things that everybody saw that was that, you know, what they did, what, you know, if, for those who aren't familiar with it, you can download it off the website. But first you list the name of all of those who have offended you. And then the second column is the nature of their offense. And, you know, it might be they ignored me or they left me or they, you know, withdrew or whatever. And then when you get over to the punishment column, the punishment is I'm just going to leave them or I'm going to withdraw or I'm just going to not talk to them. And it's amazing how many the punishment that you want to give to them is exactly what you said their offense to you is. And so that's exactly what you were just saying, you know. And um, and then when we got around to doing the responsibility communication and then there was a couple who volunteered um, with some encouragement from us to volunteer um, to do the example in front of everybody and to have a communication. And it's the same with everyone that when you start the communication and you go through, you know, I have an issue and this is what it brought up for me, you know, this is what happened, this is what it brought up for me, then we want to immediately jump to getting them to see their part or saying, you know, look what you did in it. You had a part in this. Instead of sticking with, you know, this is what I want to heal. And uh, it's kind of like just a natural thing for everybody to flip into that. And it takes practice to be able to stay with our own process and see that it's us. It's all inside, you know, and then they'll come back and say, yeah, but what they did was off target. And it's like, yeah, and maybe they need to be held accountable. But if you attempt to hold someone accountable when you're in your hostility and fear, you're going to do something that's totally off target and you're not going to accomplish what you're wanting to accomplish and it's not going to solve anything. But if you can look and deal with your own issue around it and the what energy is running in you at that moment and get that to calm down enough, you'll actually be saner and have more information as to how does, how can we solve this. So that was right in line with what we've done the last couple of days. Well, it's it's just, it, it amazes me every time when I have an upset and I use the worksheet process, the goal canceling, the tapping, the breathing, and I restore myself to calm, and then I look back on the situation. And what amazes me about it is how I so clearly misrepresented, misperceived, or even hallucinated things from what happened when I was in anger or fear or confusion. And... And it it still catches me. I mean, it's it's even though I know it it may be coming, even though I know better than. Well, I'm not sure what happened, but Dr. Tim got cut off right in the middle of his sentence there. So um, I'll just talk and see if he gets back on, or uh, if we conclude the show. We have about four minutes, but yeah, it's just it it just comes right back you know even as much work as we've done somebody asked me last night you know in using the communication tool well how long did it take until it became natural for you to do it all the time and I'm like it's still not natural all the time 
there are still times when an issue comes up and just grabs me by the face, and I can't switch immediately. I can't talk about it. I can't have a responsibility communication because I'm so deeply into it. It's like just got me by the face, and I have to peel the fingers off to be able to get to a space where I can even look at it beyond, you know, our nine-bit mind gets filled up really quickly with our issue, and we can't see what's underlying it. And so being able to get to the point where you cancel goals and you breathe and tap all the things that Tim mentioned and get back to a connected space where you can look at it logically and reasonably. And it made me think, too, you know, everybody does a personal code evaluation at the beginning of the intensive, and then they do another one at the end, and they can see the progress based on the work that they did during the nine days. And, again, one of the participants said, you know, how can this change? Because there's a question, and you answer it, mostly true, mostly false. So how can that be different from the beginning to the end? And I said, it's the same as with our reality. We, something is actually going on in the world, and we form a picture in our mind of this is what that means. And we base our behavior on what's in our reality. And if, like Dr. Tim was just saying, you can collapse it, get out of the fear and hostility, and get back to connected space, then you can see it totally differently. And I said, it's the same way when you're taking the personal code evaluation that, you know, you could take it one time, and um, I hope I'm still on air because it's showing as if I'm possibly not. But anyway, um, so you could be in a totally connected space and take the evaluation and answer the questions one way. You know, say you're in a totally peaceful space when you take it. And then maybe you have a confrontation with someone afterwards and all the stuff, your fear, hostility, whatever, gets up in your face and then if you took it again while you're in that state, you would answer them totally differently. And so the evaluation basically reflects the reality that's in your mind based on the content that you hold. And so uh, thank you, Susan, for letting me know that you could hear me and that I'm still on. <laughs> but it's, it is amazing how it just taps right into what is going on and what you need to work on next. And, you know, that, the evaluation always brings stuff up for people, too. They're like, you know, oh, this is a number one for me. Oh, that's a, you know, five or, you know, what does this mean? And, and they start creating out of their own content what it means. And, you know, we attempt to explain to people, you know, it doesn't matter if your number one challenge, your score is a 20 or a 90. If it's your lowest score, that's your number one challenge. That's where you can put the, uh, your work, your efforts, and see the greatest change and so people come and they're given assignments to work on for the nine days they take it again and then they're given assignments to do once they get home and it is amazing and it taps right in and um, so we're out of time and so I want to thank everyone for being here Dr. Tim thank you thank you again for just jumping in there when we're all missing and uh, it's just awesome to have that kind of support everyone bring somebody with you tomorrow and have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings.